Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I'm here as always with uh, Father Chuck. Aloha. And Music Mayhem, it just keeps going. It does. No, no end in sight. We don't know how to end it. If, like if I you... said, we should morph it. We should morph it into Zune June. Zune June. Actually, I think what's today's date? Today is the 27th. We're recording on the 27th, a Thursday. And so this episode will be released in June. So welcome to Zoom June. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I I, I don't. I, it's like this happens every time. Like I, I I lose control of music mayhem, and it just keeps going. And I don't well, I mean, hate it. Mayhem is in the name. I know. I know. Yeah. So if if you know how to end music mayhem, let us know. Um. The, the wheel of mayhem is still, uh, you know, out it there. Lo- it looms. It looms. Actually, dude, shouldn't we be doing the wheel today? Today, this week, we're talking about jars of clay from the van, jars of clay. Um, why did we choose this album, Chuck? Uh, I think it's because we just decided to take this weird detour into like Christian <laughs> albums that, yeah had impacts on us or something and i just know that while we were talking about jesus freak last week or last time you uh we kept bringing up jars of clay and then you were like we should talk about jars of clay sometime like be a good like christian care and we're just like you know what let's just, why not let's just do that <laughs> yeah that's that's it that's i think that's why we chose it it just kind of came up um, and I, and if part of me was like, I think I would probably enjoy Jars of Clay more. Like, I, if, if if this were 1995, I would probably be more in the Jars of Clay camp as opposed to the DC Talk camp. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would be with my friends drinking coffee and wearing oversized sweaters and ripped jeans, listening to acoustic guitar, as opposed to DC Talk, who would be probably playing with Pogs. I mean, as someone who listened to both, yeah, um, and also wore an oversized waffle weave alien workshop sweater uh-huh. with ripped up uh, thrift store jeans and occasionally jinkos, yeah, um, I mean, I listened to both. <laughs> um, but but the Jesus Freak crowd was, uh, you know, they, they might have been a little bit more buttoned up. You think so? I don't really know what the crowd was like. I wasn't there. Mm. So they're they're like more like the Tommy Hilfiger types, maybe. If we're talking in terms of the nineties. Hmm, that's a good question. Tommy Hilfiger, maybe. I mean, when you look at the album, it's definitely not. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think yeah. In my mind, I think of the. I'm trying to think of the youth pastor who would really push jars of. I mean, um, um, Jesus Freak. Yeah. And he was wearing. A polo shirt that's okay. olive green, but with like a navy blue horizontal stripe All right. across it. Um, okay. 
is probably wearing uh, cargo pants. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the hair spiky. I Probably not bleached yet. They probably hadn't gone that far. No. The youth group musician maybe had the bleached hair. But definitely with, the goat. Oh, hair. yeah. With, with, with the, if they wore glasses, they would be like the very small lenses, right? Perhaps. Yeah, they would be very small lens glasses. <laughs> um, maybe some degree of, uh, I don't know. Maybe dark rims, or was that that was a little later, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Weezer mm-hmm. was kind of was kind of rocking that look a little bit. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll say this because I think we should just get right into it. Why, why dance around it? Um, not as familiar with this album as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> really, only recognized Liquid and uh, Flood, and. I gotta say, I didn't. Uh, I didn't love it. Um, hmm. I, I mean, I think it, it did provide a sort of refreshing alternative to what DC Talk was providing. Um, I think I liked the actual composure of the music more. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the it's, it's unplugged for the most part. Uh, you got violins. You got some flute action. Um, and you also have, uh, the Gregorian chants of Lucid, which I really love. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit more emotional, a bit more lyrical. The lyrics aren't as straightforward as DC Talks, I noticed. Although there are a couple of songs where it's like a little too, eh. Um, but so, yeah, it was, it was a, I could see how this could be like, um, something you, like, like counter-programming. Mm-hmm. Right around the same time. Um, I will say, I don't remember hearing DC Talk on the radio uh, when I was a kid. I do remember hearing Jars of Clay on the radio. I also remember <clears throat> hearing Jars of Clay during the end credits of the 1998 film Hard Rain, starring Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman and Randy Quaid. Yeah, and they, and it, they play Flood, right? They play Flood during the end credits because yeah. the movie is about a flood. Uh, heist, a flood heist. Right. Yeah. There's a scene where Randy Quaid has decided to take the money, and they ask him, "Aren't you the sheriff? The, aren't Aren't you the sheriff of this town?" And he looks at the camera and he goes, "I'm the what?" <laughs> it's a great. I film. do remember that movie, and I'm pretty sure I saw that movie solely based off the fact that Flood played on the soundtrack. <laughs> I saw it because it just looked like fun, like a whole movie where people are just like, you know, whipping around on sea divs in, yeah. in a Walmart. You got it. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that. What a great premise. You got to love. You got to love heist movies that are set during some kind of disaster. Yeah. Like I kind of want to check out Army of the Dead because it's the same premise, but I also I hear that it gets a little too Zack Snydery. I I might have checked it out recently yeah and it's a little i don't know it just becomes very reminiscent of aliens <laughs> like oh, right down okay. to like dialogue and stuff and even like oh wow action beats like towards the ends and stuff tig nataro is in it mm-hmm. really really brilliant comedian um she replaced chris delia yeah. after his little scandal and when i say replaced i mean they put her in a giant room surrounded by green and oh, CGI inserted her in all of her scenes. 
Is it obvious? There is one part where it's super obvious where she just looks like she's cut out. But for the most part, it's actually not bad. But there are some parts like that where you, like she looks like she's just like pacing on. And there are parts where like you can tell like she's just acting in front of a camera and not the other people. Like there's like a shot over a shot. And you're like, this is really awkward. Like they're not really reacting off of each other while they're talking. Like strange. Um, but yeah, it's. I I, I love I love Tignataro. Yeah, she's very. Funny. Um, she is one of the best parts of Star Trek Discovery. I forgot she's in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. That's right. She's it, it it it's it's akin to having Bill Bill Burr in <laughs> Star Wars. Yes. Like there's just this sense that here's somebody who you do not associate with this franchise at all being a part of it and yeah. that their presence somehow kind of takes the piss out of everything. It's really wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Um but yeah, we just got way off track, but <laughs> Yeah, we did. So trust <laughs> Uh, listen, great double feature. Hard Rain, follow it up with Firestorm, starring Howie Long. You got water and fire. It's... What about, how, how do we, what about throwing Crawl in there somehow? Well, since it's, okay, well, you oh, want to get heist, modern? They're heist movies. I got to take you to big Yeah. Well, if you want to you you be more modern, Crawl and uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Water and go. fire again. Which oh, those who wish go. me dead is basically a remake of Firestorm, <laughs> with like celebrities. Uh, yeah. Anyway, oh, so jars of clay. Um. So that that's really my exposure to them. I, I heard their songs on the radio. I really liked Flood when I was a kid. I, I I think I even like bought the single. Like, do you remember when you could do that? You mm-hmm. could just buy the CD single. I had like a bunch of remixes on it. I believe I bought that. Um. Oh, on cassette, maybe. Um, that's really the extent of my history. I, I went to a Jars of Clay concert with uh, our, our very own occasional Matt uh, in the early 2000s. The concert was at a church, so it did not get rowdy. Um, what church? I don't remember. Do not remember at all. But it was okay. like just a, a normal church, like not like a mega church or big church. It was not like a stadium. Oh, it was like going to like a, it was kind of like going to chapel. And well, Jars of Clay is here, you know. Um, See, I saw there's a there's a there's a massive church in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah. That often hosted concerts, and I've I saw I saw Newsboys there. I've seen, pretty sure I saw Jars of Clay there. I saw Supertones there. I think Supertones initially opened for Jars. Audio adrenaline. Anyway, that got that, that junk got rowdy. Yeah, people were like destroying the pews. Like you were standing <laughs> yeah. on the pews to see stuff. That's funny. We were feeling kind of weird about that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I saw this concert. I remember being super bored <laughs> because they didn't they didn't play Liquid. But I mean, I guess that's to be expected. The Gregorian chants. There were no monks present to do the chanting. I'm pretty sure when I saw them, they had it as like a pre-recorded thing. Yeah, well, that wasn't there, but there okay. was like a whole row of people like shouting uh, to play Liquid, and they did not. <laughs> um, and you know, you know, they heard them because we were in a small church, not in a not an auditorium. Uh, so they ignored that request. Um, but I, I, it, I don't know, like this, like I. I I, I appreciate Jars of Clay now, but this definitely falls into the camp of the kind of music that I've ignored for so many years. And we talked about this during the um, Guster episode. Mm-hmm. 
and I kind of I would sort of lump this band into 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 that group that I have I have concocted that it contains Guster and Dave Matthews and Counting Crows, uh, this sort of folksy kind of coffee shop, you know, bongos. <laughs> Dude, I just I, I think I think we should just I, th- I that's it. I, no no mayhem. Here's the wheel of mayhem. I'm gonna make you listen to August and Everything After by Counting Crows. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. It's so good. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Put it okay. on the wheel. We'll put it on the wheel. Okay. Um. So like that's kind of why I've, I would probably would have uh, you know avoided this band for so long, and listening to it again. Um, I could I could say I I I will say this. I lit a candle when I listened to it okay. and that was nice. Did you see like your whole future play out in front of you? Like if you listen to Tommy with a candle lit. <laughs> yeah. It's from almost famous, right? Is that? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I just relaxed and it was nice. It was a nice relaxing evening. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really what I can say about Jurassic clay and my experience. <laughs> All right. Without getting into general, too many general thoughts. Mm-hmm. How about you, Chuck? Um, so Jars of Clay, I don't remember, it was it, it released roughly around the same time that Jesus Freak and Newsboys' Take Me To Your Leader came out. And I, and there was also an Audio Adrenaline album around that time, but I never liked Audio Adrenaline, so I don't care. But, um... The, the Rage Against the Machine sort of, of the Christian World. Um, yes, totally. Um, <laughs> so the... Wait, isn't that P.O.D.? Isn't P.O.D. the Rage Against the Machine in the Christian world? Well, according to the website I was using to find alternatives to bands I like, they said the Audio Adrenaline <laughs> was an alternative to Rage Against <laughs> the Machine. I forgot about those. We should... Oh, gosh. If you if you did not grow up in the Christian Christian bubble, guys, gals, <laughs> listeners, um, there, was this, there was this phenomenon of... Uh, Long's Christian bookstore where I went to, they actually had a poster on the wall that, like, tracked the bands that oh told you like if you like this this is what you listen you should listen to oh and i remember i remember someone was like if you really like green day you should listen to plank eye and i was like these are plank eye is like a i like plank eye but they're a they're they're like a they're they're sort of a generic modern rock band they're not punk <laughs> um and i guess that must have happened before like mxpx landed because that would have changed everything but um um yeah, there was this whole thing where, and, that, and that's really, that's kind of the background of a lot of Christian music yeah. is that it was a Christian parody. <laughs> of, I remember um, one of my English teacher also worked on weekends at the Christian bookstore and not English teacher. What did he teach? History. Anyway, he also um, worked at, uh, he also worked at the Christian bookstore on weekends. And I remember talking to him once and I was I had discovered Prodigy and I really was like, is there anything that sounds like the Prodigy? And he's like, there's not really a whole lot of Christian electronic music right now. He's like, but give it two years. In about two years, there'll be like whatever the big trend is right now. Two years from now, there'll be a there'll be that. And there was like two years later this explosion of like Christian electronica um, under the Plastic Music subsidiary of Tooth and Nail Records. Plastic music. Yeah, I think I remember. I, you know, I went to this film this this music festival that had a bunch of bands and i remember actually being kind of really impressed with all of, a lot of them and i heard a couple of electronic ones were like this is actually pretty cool um but yeah i forgot what they're called who they were <laughs> but go ahead anyway so uh so but I, but I can't remember like where i was like with jars of clay as i was with um 
as I was with uh, Jesus Freak. I think maybe I had been in a Christian book where I heard Flood playing, and I thought it was kind of interesting. It sort of grabbed my attention that I wouldn't have been able to articulate it at the time, but I think it grabbed my attention that, that there, was a, there was a clear, hard rock spirit to what they were trying to do mm-hmm. with Flood, which I know we'll get into a little bit more. But hearing that, but like, but but it was entirely with acoustic guitars, that just sort of appealed to me that they were it just didn't sound like anything that I had been hearing on the radio. And I've, I've always been kind of drawn to bands that try to do weird things. Like I'm always a big fan of like swing for the swing for the fences type right. weirdness. And so I felt that jars of clay was trying to do something very different in that they were clearly an alternative rock band, but they were all acoustic guitars, which up to that point I associated acoustic guitars mostly with country music and so so that just was an appeal. You know, here are these guys, like you said, they had the oversized sweaters and the and the torn jeans on the back cover of the album. You know, it had that very classic, you know, nineties. The album, by the way, looks like nineteen ninety four, just yeah. like put in print, right? It's uh-huh. it's a it's a it's an old clay jar photo superimposed over like a blue field. It's like a photo of like dead tree branches. Yes. Um yes, yes. and um in the back, the band is all like grunge looking and they're standing in front of a, just a empty rope swing. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. And none of them are looking at the camera. They're all looking in different directions. Right. 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 That's how you do it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So um, but I, I really I bought the album. And I, lo- I loved it. I, Liquid grabbed me from the get go. Yeah. And I, what I love about Liquid is I love that. I, I love that sound at the beginning of Liquid. Like, I know we're getting into it. Anyway, I don't want actually. I'll take. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But anyway, um, but this was a this is a album that I have listened to on regular rotation for a long time, and I pr- I probably has I don't have as much sentimental attachment to it the way that I do with Jesus Freak, but I definitely probably think it's a better mu- a better musical statement than Jesus Freak, um, and. I also would pretty much put it on on repeat whenever I was in the mountains of North Carolina or Georgia or something like there's just something to the sound of it that fits with hmm. Maggie Valley, North Carolina, driving around the Great Smoky Mountains for me. Um, and um, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it just I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me. Here I was, you know, punk rock skater kid listening to this acoustic rock group and I you know, I dug them. I dug them at the time. And I also kind of later on started to dig the more worshipy aspects of their music, which is what they wound up just becoming was a worship band. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, but no, I, I, I very I when we go song by song, I have stuff to say pretty much about every song on the record. But um, um, I've always enjoyed it. I've right. always enjoyed it. I've always liked it. Cool. Well, then how, how, how about we get into this then? Let's okay. let's, let's kick it off. Let's talk about liquid. Um, it's according to Wikipedia, Liquid and Flood are 
the only two songs on the album that were like produced in studio. Okay. And that makes sense for this one a, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of production value behind this one because it's the Gregorian chants, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think makes it super cool. I love the Gregorian chants. Yeah. Uh, it makes it the most memorable part of the song. I went through a phase in the early, two, early 2000s where I really wanted like more rock and like classic music or like opera or chants mixed in. Because like Evanescence was kind of introducing that a little bit, right? Well, don't forget, don't forget, S and M, buddy, Symphony and Metallica. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I, I wanted to. I, I was, I was writing a screenplay, and that that kind of music was sort of like part of the inspiration behind it. Mm-hmm. And I could only find two songs that matched what I was going for, and it's this song, Liquid, by Georgia Clay. The other one, I forgot the name of it, but it was used in a Pepsi Blue commercial that you probably saw a lot in movie theaters. I think after all these years, I still really love this song. There was a thing in the mid-90s with Gregorian Chant because they feature heavily in the uh, Temple of Time in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yeah, and also... Which is the best song on the soundtrack. Yeah, and I also want to point out that they utilize Gregorian Chants in a way that it's not corny or cheesy. Uh, It doesn't sound like a pure moods song. Do you remember the Pure Moods commercials? Sail away, sail away, sail away. Yeah. Uh, hi, uh, hi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, made up of like Enya and Enigma and stuff. Mm-hmm. They were able mm-hmm. to do that without sounding like that boomer crap. Um, like like the kind of like the kind of performers you'd go to a concert at like the Coliseum in Rome or whatever. <laughs> Yanni with his clear piano. Yeah. <laughs> So to accomplish that, I think, is is quite a feat. Um, yeah. And I think it's still, to this day, I think it's, kind of, I think it's pretty timeless, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's it, 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 it really kind of works as a great thesis statement for what they're trying to do with this album because mm-hmm. it you know there's only like a couple of songs that actually have an actual drum kit in it in this album. The okay. beats generally, I mean, I could be wrong, but the beats to me sound like they're mostly drum machines. Yeah. And, hmm. um, you know, so there's it's this it, so it makes it an interesting an interesting sound in that it's a very organic acoustic record, but there's sampling and electronic beats. Right. And they're but they're not like in your face about those things. Right. So, like, again, right, the Gregorian chant, that's a sample. Right. It's electronic sampling that they're doing. Um, and it works. And I, and I will say with this song, too, I, the, the listening to it for this episode. Um, I noticed something in the lyrics that I never really paid attention to, which is that the song is about a guy looking at a crucifix in a church. And there's something about hearing the Gregorian chant that helped me kind of connect that. It's like, oh, I'm sitting in church staring at this oh. crucifix, you know, because the, the way he's talking about like eyes cast down, like, you know, are you looking for someone like it's it's, it's a meditation on a Corpus Christi, a crucifix yeah. um, in a church. And, uh, and you know, I, I've been, again, I've, I've, I've listened to this record since like the week it came out and I <laughs> never caught that until, you know, yeah, 21. calling it a meditation, I think is pretty spot on, uh, especially mm-hmm. since like, there's not, there's not much to the lyrics that mm-hmm. it's not very extensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I never really noticed, like I've never like sat down and read the lyrics. I just always kind of sung along to it, but you look at the lyrics. It's like, it's like that long. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, but and yet it's still, it still hits hits it hits different as the kids say. Yeah, and it and it's interesting because it, it it opens with this like uh, this sound. I the, love the opening. It's like a sound. hum, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like a warble, like, but it's just kind of like on the low, like almost to where like it's too low to hear register. Right. right. I remember what my so what I love about Liquid is I had this really kind of geek out, you know, excited kid moment when I was at youth group. Uh, we were doing a lock in. Dave, who was one of our sound guys, was up in the sound booth, and he was kind of he was cool, but he was like goofy cool. He was like definite like he had been an AV kid in school and grew up. Um, and I did audio for my church from fourth grade all the way through the day I left high school mm-hmm. and, um, and after, and I was, um, I was out in the gym of our, of our, of, of, of the beginning of this lock-in and there hadn't really been much music playing or whatever. And then I just heard this sound and I, at first I was like the air conditioner kick on and then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I said, that sounds like the opening thing from liquid. And then the violins kicked in. I was like, oh, they're playing liquid. Like it was just like <laughs> one of these things where it was like. I'm like the only person in the room that listens to this album. How does somebody know about this? And ran up to the sound booth and talked to Dave about it. And I was just like, you're a nerd. Why do you like this? Like, how do you know about this? <laughs> um, and I still, I think about that memory every single time I listen to this song. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely one of the strongest, if not the strongest song on the record. Really? Even, even more so than Flood. Yeah, I think so. I think I like it more than Flood. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited to get to the end of this because, you know, we have to decide what the best uh, song on the album is. I yeah. feel like it's going to be a showdown. Act, well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, I think I think it's I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a fantastic song. Like you said, yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, it's it, it has a timeless quality to it. Yeah. That, yeah, I think so. I mean, I sense it's something that would be produced today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so cool. So it's a great song. Uh, let's let's move it along. Um, sinking. Uh, this is where I start to notice there might be a pattern to this album uh, <laughs> in terms of imagery and symbolism. Um, sinking, I thought was all right. Uh, I thought the premise was kind of interesting that it's sort of about not being able to escape our spirituality. You know, even yeah. if we feel that we're no longer connected, uh, I would call it catchy, but not particularly memorable. And I guess the rest of the, this is where you get into the songs in the album that were produced independently, right? So this was probably, I don't think this was done in the studio. No, this, I, 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 I realized too, this was probably the first album. Cause I used to, I was one of those kids. I used to listen to music with the liner notes in front of me and just mm-hmm. sort of read everything, like all the thanks and you know, all that, all the ephemera in there. And I think this is one of the first records where I recognized that two of the songs on the album that I liked the most, which was flood and um, liquid yeah. sounded different than the rest of the album. And then when I saw that there was different production, Right. That I was like, oh, okay. And then I started to kind of get the concept of like singles and like what, you know, goes into like, you know, let's produce these songs as standalone singles, right? Mm-hmm. But like that sense of, of realizing that different different producers create different sounds and that sometimes you can have a disjointed album as a result of that. Because right. like you said, the rest of the album has a very different feel to it. Yeah. Um, a little more homebrew. Almost. Yeah, and I would say sinking almost sounds like it should be just sort of like a B side to liquid. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's it's an okay song. Like you said, it's okay. There's not really much memorable about it. And I, you know, I think it's. I mean, I know it's. Uh, just looking at the track listing here, um, I'm pretty sure I, I, you know, I would just sort of like either skip this one or just sort of get through it to get to the next song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, which, by the way, yeah. The next song has been completely ruined for me, and I'll explain why. <laughs> I think I know um, why. I think you know why. So <laughs> we should probably get to it. There's not much to say yeah. about sinking. Like it's a fine yeah. song, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Um, track number three: "Love Song for a Savior." Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, first of all, now I know where that song comes from <laughs> because I because I've heard this song so many times. At so many churches and so many youth groups, so many worship services and mm-hmm. worship service offshoots and spinoffs. <laughs> this is like, oh gosh. Um, but don't remember the rest of the song, just the chorus. Anyway, uh, Love Song yeah, for it's Savior. It's basically a track set to music. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I have here in my notes uh, this is why worship music events exist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember, I mean, when I was a kid and I heard this song for the first time, like, it, you know, it touched my soul. I was just like, this is like a church thing for me. I, I loved it so much as just an earnest, you know, door-to-door evangelist Christian kid. Like, I yeah. loved this song so much. And it was like, you know, I will say a lot, of the, a lot of the songs in this album had become like sort of prayers of mine as a kid growing up. And I'll talk yeah. more about that. Yeah. Um, um, but this one was just like, I was so... It, it touched me in a very special way. Keelan and I, like Keelan used to um, play it on guitar and, you know, it was just something that like, it was very special to me. And then 2011, yeah, I'm watching television and this song comes on for a Christian mingle com- commercial. <laughs> I want to fall in love with you. That's not what the, the song is not about oh two Christian gosh. people falling in love with each other. That's so funny. I was so upset, and it's been ruined for me. Now I can't hear this song and not think of the friggin' Christian Mingle commercial. <laughs> I wasn't thinking of that. I was just thinking, like, this has been played at a billion different worship services, and I can't yeah, no. Now, it, to me, it's a Christian Mingle commercial now. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, we should probably track down that commercial and put it on the... Yeah, I'll try somewhere, to find just it. Because it's so... Or put it like put it in the video somewhere. It's just so corny that they use this song that, you know, again, for such a long time for me, it was such a powerful, like personal worship experience. Yeah. Um, for it to be like just commercialized and 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 misappropriated. Right. That's so funny. Um, I will say though, like I I mean, I'm pretty sure the worship service I went to that sang this song, I'm pretty sure they're still singing the I want to fall in love with you chorus. Um, uh, in fact, I think that's how I grew my beard. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes you just get into the chorus, you just keep going. You just keep going and going and going. Hey guys, guys, church. We're going to let the spirit move, church. <laughs> And then, like, all the, uh, you know, yeah, it's like, and we're going to, like, let the accompaniment drop out, and we're just going to raise our hands, <laughs> and we're just going to sing, and the, the house lights are going to come up a little bit, fog machines kind of go down a little, and it's just going to be, I want to fall in <laughs> love with you, I want to fall, oh, yeah. Yeah, 
Well, how do you feel about this song now? Now, now that you're a, a priest, a man of the cloth, the Episcopal Church? It kind of speaks to something we talked a little bit about, I think, last week, when I we talked about this sort of, this sort of, like, self-flagellating thing that goes on with a lot of Christians with this sense that, like, I'm never truly measuring up. Hmm, yeah. Um, and I feel, I mean, I don't think the song does this, but I feel like the way the song has been used outside of the Christian mingle aspect <laughs> has been this yeah. idea of like, I want to fall in love with you because I don't actually fall in love. I'm not, I'm not in love with you now. And so there's like, it's like this kind of like, I'm never reaching the edge of the pool. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm still reaching, I'm still reaching. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of bothers me, you know, like if you're going to start talking about like, I want to do this, oh, then just do it. Like I want to follow him. Okay. Then follow with Jesus. Like that's, you know, right. but again, I don't think the song is about that. Right. I think the song is, the song is trying to tell the story about, if I remember correctly, the lyrics, it's, um, it's like a little, it's like about a little girl who like mm-hmm. has grown up and decides that she wants to become, she finds faith. I didn't know that. It's like, yeah. Cause like, cause one day he'll call her and she will come running and fall in his arms and tears will fall down and she'll pray. I want to fall in love with you, which in, in, in which I feel like it's thematically similar to a really great goatee hook song called seasons, which is a conversion song. Um, but just really fun. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to goatee hook when you were their fun pop punk band anyway. Um, um, but they, uh, anyway, yeah, I, but so like, I mean, I get, you know, it, it's meaningful. I don't know that I'd ever play it in church. Yeah. Um, I don't think you really have to. I feel it's like it's played enough in most too personal to be a congregational song. But yeah. Right. Um, okay. But yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I think it's pretty good. I don't. It's kind of ruined me because I feel like I've heard the chorus so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's hard to me to be like. Oh yeah, I get really into this song. <laughs> um. But I don't know. There, but there are times where it kind of reminds me, you know, reading the lyrics, it sort of reminds me of people who are like, nah, I don't care about religion and theology and that stuff, man. I just want to love Jesus, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it has that kind of uh, quality to it. These guys are actually really good lyricists. Yeah. Um, they are. I mean, they're not They're not bad at all. Yeah. Um, in open fields of wildflowers, she breathes the air and flies away. She thanks her Jesus for the daisies and the roses. In no simple language, someday she'll understand the meaning of it all. Like, what a beautiful opening line about the faith of a child, mm-hmm. uh, which is a song about that on the album. Um, right after this one. <laughs> yeah. He's more than the laughter of the stars in the heavens. As close as a heartbeat or a song on her lips. Someday she'll trust him and learn how to see him. Someday he'll call her and she will come running and fall in his arms and the tears will fall down and she'll pray. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. That's really good lyrics from like a, from a worship song standpoint. Yeah. Um, maybe it's not as bad as I think it is sometimes. I just, like you said though, it's, it's so played out that it's become kind of cliche. Yeah. And oh, Christian mingle, man. <laughs> I can't I mean, believe it. I didn't know that. That's so funny. Oh yeah. Let me look like, listen, like listen to this. Sitting silent wearing Sunday best, the sermon echoes through the walls. A great salvation through it calls to the people who stare into nowhere and can't feel the chains on their souls. The, uh, there's nothing in that. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a little like, kind of like semi-bridge that's about like conviction mm-hmm. and feeling convicted of one's sinfulness. And we're going to be like, eh. 
you can find the love of your life if you sign up for our <laughs> you sign up for our website our dating site Ugh. let's go on to like a child like uh, a child. which i liked mm-hmm. um because this is what in fact this is actually a really great example of what i was talking about in the last episode where i feel like it, when we talk about spiritual concepts especially in art it sort of uh uh does the premise more service if you are more metaphorical and i like it i like this one because it's engaging with the part of the bible that isn't literal um and the part where it says they say that i can move the mountains and send them falling to the sea they say that i can walk on water if i would follow and believe with faith like a child you know, it's talking about if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. Right. Um, so I think engaging with like that part of scripture uh, in an artful way, I think will make a song more lasting um, and more, well, I don't know, just more, just yeah, better. <laughs> well, I, and I was going to say, it, it, it makes me think of something that, so, you know, you know, reading, reading books, in the Christian world, I mean, you know, some of the some of the first books that I read in the Christian world, you know, you would have, you know, these direct quotations from Scripture, right? And they'd have to have the Bible verse reference right after what they said, yeah. right? And it always felt like kind of tacked on and inserted. I remember when I first read the Confessions of Saint Augustine and um, and also uh, the Pursuit of God by A. W. Tozer, who's a um, sort of evangelical mystic from the forties. Um, and I was really, really being struck by their writing because they never, like when they quoted the, when they quoted the Bible, they didn't, it was just sort of like part of their sentence. Like they were writing and they were just sort of like, you know, here's this, you know, and they're just going to throw a quote in, you know, sort of conversationally. And it comes across as like, well, they, they, they've internalized these passages. They know them, right. they mean something to them. And so it just comes out. It's not like, oh, I can't forget to stick a verse here. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, and, and. Because I feel like I feel like there's a quote somewhere from like Augustine or, or Tozer or someone like that who was just who sort of makes a comment about like somewhere in the Bible it says this right and I remember being struck by that being like oh here's a quote from the Bible but like I don't know the chapter and verse reference to it but I know the quote yeah. and that kind of changed my attitude to the Bible um, and that's another conversation for another time but I feel like this song does that mm-hmm. in that it's not like Jesus says that if I you know that I can move the mountains I like that it's like they say. Yeah. Well, who's they? They is the church, people of faith. They say that I can move the mountains. They say, right? So there's this, just this element of like, I've been told this, but I don't know if I'm all the way there yet, right? And I, you know, I, I don't know, but like you said, it gives, it gives enough yeah. fuzziness that it has interpretive merit, which makes it art. Right. It engages more with you on like an emotional level. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that just I just I just feel that that makes for a better song in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I think this is a good one. Um, I like that it, it's sort of challenging the notion of faith. Do you think like it, it, this song? Mm-hmm. Um, I like that this is where they it's not just guitars. We've got we got we got flutes going. Mm-hmm. We've got some wind instruments, uh, some violins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Is stuff this the one that I'm trying to remember? Is this the one that opens with like the chime shaking? I think so. Um, I think there are chimes in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good song. 
Yeah. And and I and again, I think it. I, I wish I knew more about the background of, of the band because I, I, I wonder, I wonder if there's like a Catholic or two in there hmm. because it, it, it feels more like that brand of faith or like, you know, some, some bit more traditional denomination of kind, you know, a, right. a, a person in there rather than just like some vineyard megachurch type person. <laughs> which right. is what a lot of these bands began out of out of that tradition right this is someone who understands well like they did a really great cover of i think about i'm I, now i remember where i first heard jars of clay they did a really great cover of um of a petra song called um rose colored stained glass windows hmm. um which is a critique of the church the way you talk about people looking at the world through rose, you know, rose colored glasses. It's like, well, the church is looking at the world through rose colored stained glass windows. Um, and it was off of this tribute album for Petra. And I really liked that song. And it's hard to find these days. I mean, obviously you can find it on YouTube or whatever, but like it wasn't, you know, it was only released in this weird compilation. Um, but that, and like a song like this and like art in me and others, I think attest to, a band that's really more, you know, they're willing to in, 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 engage with the concept of faith and know that faith requires some element of like, I'm not entirely sure. Right. Right. I think of uh, Slavio Zizek um, once wrote that he was in Kentucky for something and he saw a church that said on a sign that said, um, come to our church where we don't just believe in God, we know him. Hmm. And he's like, huh, that's interesting. Cause he said, that's not faith, that's certainty. And that's it's just true, kind right? of, and he's like, it's interesting how many churches as he thinks about it, you know, are more interested in certainty rather than faith. Yeah. And you know, that's, that kind of like, that takes me back to some of the first concepts we talked about in this podcast that you and I talk about a lot, which is how like there was this really strange trend, um, I think when we were in college and people were like, you know, I'm not religious. I know that Jesus existed. Mm -hmm. You know, Christianity is real. It's not a religion. It's just, it's real. It's the truth. Like, I I don't know. That's like the point. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's, I I think it's still a religion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like I said, like, I, I love Dan Harmon's, you know, Dan Harmon's definition of religion is your relationship with the mystery of the universe that there is supposed to be a degree of mystery to it, mm-hmm. um, which is why, which is what makes faith meaningful. Kind of randomly jog my memory. Uh, the other night, um, Kana had some work to do. Normally we watch TV after the kids are in bed and she had some work to do. So she couldn't, she, she didn't want to watch something that we normally watch together. So when that happens, I generally put on some kind of Star Trek because that's just who I am. And so I randomly put on an episode, uh, episode of um, Star Trek Voyager where they encounter the Omega particle. I don't know if you've ever seen this episode, the no. whole concept with the Omega directive. No. It's just apparently a super volatile um, particle that Starfleet had experimented on, realized that how dangerous it was because it destroys subspace and it completely render an entire sector like unable to use warp. So they created uh, a directive that in any case where they encounter it, all other protocols of Starfleet, including the prime directive are suspended in order to destroy the particle. And this was after 709 had joined the cast and it turned out because the Borg had assimilated Starfleet captain, she knew about 
the protocol because it's like this super secret thing and they encounter a, they encounter a, an omega particle in the um, delta quadrant. She has this difference with Janeway over it because to the Borg, they basically worship this thing because it's like the pinnacle of perfection. And so there's this whole like struggle with Seven debating with Janeway about like, she's like, I know that I'm no longer Borg, but I still want to see this thing because it's, you know, it represented, you know, the closest thing to God that the Borg had. And so the episode takes this really bizarre place about faith and religion. It ends with Seven of Nine in the uh, holodeck program that Janeway made where she interacts with Leonardo da Vinci because Star Trek is super weird. And she chose it because there's a cross on the wall and she's contemplating the nature of faith after having encountered this particle. Um, and I just love that. I love that Star Trek, you know, especially under, I guess, was it, is that Rick Berman who did a lot of that, who um, wanted to talk about the nature of faith and religion and what it means to be human. And here's this character who is coming back to being human. She necessarily has to have an arc dealing with faith because without that, you're not fully human. Right. Um, anyway, just sort of an aside, but cool. So let's move on to the art in me. Um, okay, so this is the part of the album where I started to fear that the rest of the songs are going to start blending together. <laughs> um, I enjoy the song's meaning about finding God even in, like, ruin, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also started to sound a little samey. <laughs> I'm just looking at this lyric here. In your picture book, I'm trying hard to see, right? Picture book clearly probably referencing the Bible. In your picture book, I'm trying hard to see, turning endless pages of this tragedy, mm-hmm. sculpting every move, you compose a symphony, you plead to everyone, see the art in me. It seems to be saying to me that, you know, that the, the there's so much tragedy around us, but then God is saying, see the art in me, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe we're getting a little too metaphorical. <laughs> maybe. Um, this is, I, I will say, this is, this is up there for me as favorite song on the album. This is the thing about Jars of Clay that I like is that they they have this element of like worship in their in this out in this album. They have this element of worship, but it doesn't come across as just worship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's like the choruses are worship songs in a lot of cases, but the verses have something else going on right and like you said you know this is a song about about finding beauty in in you know just partly there in 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 the brokenness here's i mean here's a pretty here's a pretty radical line broken stained glass windows the fragments ramble on tales of broken souls and eternity's been won so like that is almost borderline universalism Right. The idea like eternity has been one, like though everything's been broken and I, I, the fragments ramble on, I can't help but think of that's uh, talk about preachers. Um, Tales of broken souls and eternity has been war, been one. I mean, this idea that like it sounds to me like part of the, the song is saying, um, you know, we're our job. Like what God is calling us to do is not to focus on the mess we've made, but to focus on the art that's underneath it. I mean, the idea of broken stained glass windows, right? Like that's, uh, there's artistry there, even though it's broken, the artistry is still there. 
right? Kind of seeing to recognize and appreciate it, even though it's broken, right? Sort of seeing like the design, yeah, and how it can be used, yeah, in the moment that you're in, yeah. It is. It is. This is another one where I, I again I wonder if there was someone in the church who is some kind of like Catholic or something, because <laughs> there's uh, this element of like it's almost like it's uh like it's looking at like the ruins of churches. And almost like a commentary on where Christianity is going in American society, like the idea that someday the churches might be empty because and but it doesn't mean that God's not still there and the beauty of what the church represents isn't still there. And even though things might not might be broken, it you know, we can still learn to see it right. um, in spite of its brokenness or whatever. Good song. Sorry, just doing some like research during the episode. I mean, that's what I'm doing. Super professional. I'm just looking <laughs> up these people on Wikipedia and just seeing if, like, they have, if it mentions, like, a... Looks like they all went to Greenville College, or at least two of them did. Hmm. I don't know where Greenville College is. Illinois. Ah, that's the Beretta Belt, so there might be a high church guy in there somewhere. It is affiliated with the Free Methodist Church. Ah, there it is. Methodist. That's it. All right, that explains a lot. Yeah. The whole For our listeners, would you could, could you could you expand on that? Yeah. So um, Methodists are. I mean, I don't know about Free Methodists. Yeah. So because Methodism is a very complicated thing. So here's the brief history of Methodism. Um, the Wesley brothers uh, were Anglican clergymen uh, who went to the state of Georgia in the United States when it was still like a penal colony or whatever. They went there to establish churches or whatever. Wound up having a pretty good time with some of the locals, if you know what I mean, and uh, were run out of town. Uh, they were on a ship returning to England that was suddenly hit by a bad storm. They were terrified they were going to sink, but they were but they were sort of moved by seeing a group of Moravians on the deck of the ship. Um, calm and singing and praying in the midst of this. And so they felt the Moravians had something that they did not as Anglican clergymen. So they fall in with a bunch of Moravians, learn some stuff about what's going on with them, and then they create a Bible study society as a way to sort of bring the spirit back into Anglicanism. So they became a sort of Reformation movement within Anglican, within the Church of England. Um, they were very, uh, they had a very, like, they believed in um, the idea that through prayer and discipline, one can achieve holiness in life now. Um, and so they developed methods around how to do that. And that's where they got derided on the campus of Oxford as Methodists, but they embraced the title. Um, and then they started a whole range of churches that eventually unified into something called the United Methodist Church. Um, but some holdout groups didn't want to unify, and so that's why you have like you know, lots of Wesleyans, and you also have Free Methodists and others. So I don't know all those details there because it's a very, very wonky and and complicated little denomination, the Methodists. But the two things that's important to know about Methodists are they are Anglican adjacent, which means they engage a lot with the idea of reason, mm -hmm. and so that that explains a lot. The other is they have they tend to have a lot of tradition in their church. Um, you know, so they have some liturgy, they have some ritual in a lot of, in some cases. Um, and the other thing is, is that they tend to be very big on the concept. They were the sort of the, the originators of the concept of the social gospel, which is the idea that, um, we share the good news through action rather than just telling people what to believe. Very interesting. Um, 
so living one's faith is a big thing. So that I can see now how all that fits into their lyrical approach here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we, we discovered it at a very interesting time in the album. We're like halfway through it. So we're kind of like <laughs> in Dan Harmon's story circle, we were sort of at the belly of the beast. We were kind of lost. And the goddess is now taking us through the threshold. Uh, so Wikipedia, in, in that instance, Wikipedia was the goddess. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on. Uh, the next song is "He." It's a child abuse song. Yeah, I found this to be their most straightforward song. Because mm-hmm. it's definitely talking about like dad hits me and mom hurts me. <laughs> I I when I realized what the song was about, I found it very difficult to listen to, and right. I almost always skip it. Really? <laughs> you know me, man. I can't handle like torture and abuse like that. Just and so. Yeah, I mean, I even have in my in my notes that this is not really my kind of thing. <laughs> like songs, oh, so the, the, the torture and abuse of children is not your kind of thing. No? Not really. You know, I watched. Yeah. Well, that's good. I watched the first four Saw movies recently. <laughs> um, and I could stomach that. I don't know. I just never gravitated for songs that were like telling a story about something this heavy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it just it's not. Like the, it, Flowers in the Attic song is what it is. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I guess it's helpful in the sense that Christians have had a spotty history around disciplining children. Yeah. And so to have a song about that, I think is perhaps helpful for some people to think about things. I, mean, I know I, I, it makes me think about, you know, like when I listen to it uh, for this, it makes me think a little bit about the way I treat my children, making sure that I'm not. You know, because you don't you don't always think about what you know. Because like one of my big fears is like, is there some blind spot that like I'll find out ten years from now, like it was like one random thing I said that just sort of messed my kid up. Oh, I know. I think about um, that too because I, I kind of helped like take care of my nephew when he was growing up, and I'm always scared. Like I remember I said this one thing. I hope he forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, this is not what that song is about. That song is no. not about like it's it's about you know willful abuse, right? And but like that line about like um, just give me a chance to hide away. Oh, like it just breaks my heart. Right. You know, I I called it. I put it in my notes that it's like an anti. I should I should clarify. I'm, I'm calling it an anti Gen X song. But I don't mean like it's anti-Gen X. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. It's like the opposite of what sort of these Gen X bands were doing, which is like instead of wallowing in the pain, we're, we want to heal our angst, not so much mm-hmm. wallow in it. Does it okay. does that, is, is, are we successful in it? Probably not. I don't know. But I think it's interesting to take the approach of wanting to heal, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's you, now that you pointed that out, I, I it's something I haven't really thought about, but you're totally right. You know, I've spent the past year kind of off and on listening to Tori Amos, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm thinking about like Pearl Jam's Jeremy, right? You know, songs about like horrible things that happen, but there's never like there's not necessarily resolution to those things. It's just this bad thing happened. Yeah, and that's just like, I mean, that's just a style of uh, of approaching mm-hmm. it. And like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For God's sake, my favorite band is Nirvana. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Where, where it's all about just wallowing in our misery, and uh, I think there's there's something there's something useful to that. But it's interesting to see someone be like, okay, but what do we do about it? Like, can can we heal from it? Like, can we please mm-hmm. do something about it? 
And so I could see how this song could probably be a comfort to maybe people who didn't want to, who who were just sort of like needed something other than just wallowing. Yeah. Something other than just like experiencing the existential pain. Right. Well, and it's also a very classic Christian record yes. type thing to like, you can't, you have to have resolution. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. God's got to save you from your horrible thing somehow. Right. But even though it still feels still kind of open-ended in its own way. Right. Right. In, yeah. in which case it's kind of like, a, it's sort of similar to like the book of Ecclesiastes where, right. Like the super cynical book of the Bible. Yeah. Which just like all is vanity and that most scholars believe that like the last like couple verses of that book were tacked on later because someone in, in really? Jewish history was like, this is too bleak. We got to give something here. That's pretty funny. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that. Um, You've never read Ecclesiastes? The whole book is just like it's everything's boring. meaningless. That's the whole <laughs> book. Um, actually, um, uh, Introduction to Joy or Intro to Joy, which is um, Rob Bell's like speaking engagement latest like dvd thing from a few years ago matt and i went to go see it um he he did the whole things about the book of ecclesiastes and actually like about the deep wisdom in it it's it's excellent hmm that's interesting i'll look into that yeah um before we move on i kind of want to you know we've we've talked about um how this is this has been used as worship music um some songs in this album and how this this song is not (laughs) Uh, no, no. Uh, but um, I'm curious, like, did was worship music, because I don't re- really remember what worship music was like in the early 90s or even like in the 80s or no. I mean, was, was you know, we're, we're looking at this, we're saying like, oh, this is very worshipy. But what did this, was this considered worshipy at the time or did this sort of create a standard that like worship music sort of like kind of co-opt a little bit? I feel like this came about during a shift. So, because I remember when I would go to the Christian bookstore, you know, praise and worship was its own like section in the bookstore. Yeah. And, you know, it was lots of things like celebrate Jesus, celebrate. <laughs> right. And, um, I'm trying to remember what groups. There were a couple of groups that they were just, that, that they were praising worship groups, but that was like their thing, right? And they were like odd. They were all kind of like children's musicians. So, you know what I mean? Like they're just mm-hmm. sort of, they look odd because they're, that their whole thing is just to write this one kind of music. Yeah. And, but I remember that like praise and worship music was never, it wasn't really marketed as something that you just casually listened to. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm wondering. Cause I don't know. know the history behind like worship music. Like, was there, was there an evo- like a, like a worship music revolution where it changed into more contemporary sounding music. You can listen to your iPod. I mean, it did in the sense that, I mean, it coincided with the Jesus people movement yeah. where the Jesus people wanted, they, they felt that the church needed to be more responsive to the culture around. And so like, it should be willing to use, you know, the sounds, the kind the, the, the styles of music that teenagers were listening to. The interesting thing to me about the Jesus people in the early days is that they were filthy hippies who <laughs> really had a very radical agenda in what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah. And then you know, as was the case, a lot of the boomers, they then became the establishment and it changed and it wasn't as radical as it used to be. It got got co-opted by a much more status quo type thing. Um, But in this time period, I mean, Hillsong is kind of first starting. The Hillsong church in Australia is first starting. And, um, but they hadn't, I don't think Hillsong had started doing their own, their own worship stuff. I mean, worship, I guess the thing is, is that when I think of worship music, I think of like 
big soaring choruses like from this time period it was like big soaring choruses you had you know women with really big hair um you know singing these very big like you know i think of like you know they had names like maranatha yeah (laughs) you know um jars of clay came at a time when there was this shift toward much more like intimate sounding worship music where you would have the idea that like i would put this in in the car while i'm driving and have sort of my own personal worship time um popular christian music up until this shift i think it was largely around well basically it was bait and switch right we're going to try to create a rock and roll uh, record so that a non-christian hears it and they're like oh man that, I, I dig that right. that sounds really good DC and they're like yeah what they're christians right yeah what well, maybe I should reconsider this whole thing. I didn't know Christians could be cool. Like that was sort of the entire approach for Christian rock from like or Christian music from like the, you know, the all through the eighties. Right. It was it, around the nineties when they started to realize that that just didn't work, and that there was a whole generation or two now that had grown up in this alternative Christian world that was fostered by these non-denominational churches that had their roots in the Jesus People movement, and so they started making like tooth and nail records was one of the first really to do this, but it was really more started me the approach of like, we're going to make good music for Christians to listen to. So it's not, so then it started being like the Christian music we're going to make is not meant to be evangelistic, but it's meant to be safe. Right. Right. Like my kids can listen to the rock music, but it doesn't have the bad words in it. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's Tipper Gore friendly. Um, even though the church would not have been Tipper Gore friendly, but you know what I mean, right? right? So I was like, we're going to have this music. It's safe for our kids to listen to. And so it became very in, you know, inwardly focused. But there was still this weird element to where, like, in order for it to maintain the name Christian, they had what was what is within the industry referred to as the Jesus per minute factor. Yeah, you mentioned how many in the last times, episode. Yeah. yeah, how many times you mentioned Jesus in an album. Like, there, was, there were basically quotas that people had to hit. There's a hilarious story That's so funny. about MXPX um, on their Teenage Politics album where there's this, there's this one song um, about legalism and it has this horrible lyric where they quote directly from 1 Corinthians. Like to the joke, the lyric is literally like 1 Corinthians 8 verse 8 says, God has saved us not by works, but by faith or whatever. And years later, when MXPX signed to a main, signed to A and M Records, uh, Mike Carrera was doing an interview. Mike Carrera is the songwriter and lead singer of MXPX. He was talking about how like they were forced to put that lyric because they had to have like an explicit Bible reference in order for it to meet certain criteria for distribution in Christian bookstores. So, um, so there's so there's that whole element. But anyway, this is like my weird little music history bit. Um, by the way, that shift was starting to take place in the mid '90s where um, where the music was, you know, is like, this is good music for Christians to listen to. But then, then the industry made this weird shift of just like, well, it sort of has to have like a purpose right. other than just like, I like listening to it. It has to have a purpose. And so then that started turning into, well, everything now has to have like a worship element to it. And so it became, you know, I'm listening to it because now it's not, is it about proclaiming the gospel, but rather now it's about edifying my soul. And that's why, like, all the Christian bands nowadays are just worship bands. Mm-hmm. Like, Newsboys is just a straight-up worship band now. They used to have um, worship albums, right? Like, you could get, like, this Christian band's album, but then they would also release, like, a worship album. Right. right? The, Scott, the Christian ska band Insiders, they did the two, two, vol- two, two volumes of their thing called Scalaluya, 
which was ska covers of old hymns and praise and worship songs. That was like a really big thing in That's the cool. late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I listened to that. That sounds interesting. I, I, I listen to Scala Lou U2 fairly frequently still. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Scala Lou. But, but yeah, so I think, but I think Jars of Clay hits this weird, I don't know if they intentionally were the ones who started that, hmm. but they, they sort of manifested at the moment where yeah. they, this, this album exists on this weird line. And I would guess maybe they're followed much afraid. It exists on this weird cusp where it's like good music for Christians to listen to morphing into worship. Well, when you, when you look at the album that it's mostly self-produced, uh, not, 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 not self-produced, but like, um, um independently produced, independently produced. Yeah. Uh, mostly independently produced, recorded outside a studio with acoustic guitars. I mean, these are, this is everything a, a, a worship team can get a hold of on their own, and they can mm-hmm. recreate all of these hits on this right. very popular album. It's like, oh, we could sing this in church, and that's right. just, that's that that's how you form a whole new genre, <laughs> I guess, or a whole new movement. Right, and I will say that I. Th- I think that jars of clay. I, I just I've listened to their music over the years from other things, and I've n- I've not felt that anything they've produced since this album was as strong. I think this is their crowning achievement, and I think it's because it they're definitely trying to do something different and weird. Um, that then because they got kind of co-opted into this like worshipy type thing, there's sort of this expectation that now this is what they have to do. And so they started, they kind of, you know, started swallowing their own tail and having to be their brand rather than artists and musicians first. Right. I mean, I remember, I, I think I, there was, I feel like there, yeah, I was at, um, I was at like night of joy or something years ago and jars of clay was playing. I had no idea it was jars of clay. I was like, it was, <laughs> they were full on rock band. Like it was like loud electric guitars like the whole thing and then then they came out and then they busted out with like flood or something i was like wait what 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 like this is jars of clay like this isn't a cover band <laughs> like this isn't a cover of flood this is actually the band right. i just they did not recognize them at all hmm. um this was years later this is well into the 2000s um but um but wait art in me is a good song yeah <laughs> um okay so moving on from he we're going to boy on a string I love Boy on a String. Yeah. I love I love I love that it uses Pinocchio <laughs> as like a Christian thing, like as like a the- theologizes Pinocchio. I think it's brilliant. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh I read the first lyrics to the song and it really depends on like how you sing something or how or, or like the context of it because it does sort of read the first verse it could be misinterpreted as like a horror movie. <laughs> the marionette has your number. Yeah. Pulling your arms and legs so you can't stand on your own. Dragging your conscience on the stage and your heart gets rearranged. And you cannot you know tell what? your mentor from your maker. I could hear Dio singing this. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, you could you change it up a little, use these same lyrics, but just different background. I, mean, I could this could totally be a heaven and hell era Sabbath song. <laughs> I could see it too, totally. I don't know that that's my that's might be my only notes for this song. <laughs> Sorry, I will say I, I I hate when I hate when like the online lyric places uh, mess up uh, lyrics. Yeah, like he says, "Look at the crowds bleeding with laughter." 
it's spelled bleeding like blood. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's meant to be bleating like sheep. Oh, I think those are the lyrics I read that said bleeding like it's like it's bleeding because yeah. that's what I was like. That's definitely a, a horror yeah. movie imagery. But I love the I love the I love interpreting. I just love interpreting the Pinocchio story for the purposes of like as making it a Christian metaphor, like God being like Geppetto watching the life that he created run away. Right. It's that whole moment when it's that moment when Pinocchio is in Pleasure Island. Right. And he's, yeah, you know, um, the scene that scarred every single person who ever watched it. Yeah. Cause he turns into a donkey. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I love this song. My, my friend Josh hated this song. I don't know why he just hated it. Um, I will say the one thing always bugs me is that it opens with somebody yelling four, but it's not the fourth track. Like it should have been the fourth track. Oh, <laughs> but well, maybe it's like a golf reference or they're big golfers or Methodists really into golfing. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I think it's, I like it. I think it's a fun song. I think, um, it's, it's, it's upbeat. It, it doesn't, it doesn't delve into the quasi worshipy type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting lyrically. Um, I think it's, it's, it for years has given me meat to think about. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that, 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 that line in particular, like, um, watching the car, uh, you know, the, the crowds bleeding, bleating with laughter. Like, I love that lyric. Like, I think it's just great. That's great poetry. And, yeah. you know, and it, and it very evocative of, you know, like crowds. Um, like you said, they're really good lyricists and, and I think it's, it is a really well written song. Yeah. All right. Flood. Um, it's okay, I guess. Um, it doesn't really stand out in the album, if you ask me. Um, I mean, it's no—it's no he, uh, <laughs> or or sinking. What a strong single. And I love that they had the guts to put it like almost to the end of the album. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, no, it's just a great hit song. Like it, Yeah, it is. Um, as far as Christian rock goes, I can get behind more songs like this, <laughs> you know? Uh, and and maybe, maybe it did inspire a bunch of songs that I just, you know, maybe Third Day's entire career is inspired by this song. <laughs> third day there's another one that kind of they were also sort of the they're on the they're on the much more worshipy side of this album yeah yeah (laughs) um i don't know i just it's 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 like i think everyone feels sometimes that they could use some kind of supernatural power to help them out of a slump yeah Um, I, i don't know if the christian message is what made it so popular uh i, I just i just think it's just a really great song all around <laughs> Well, and I think it's, I think one of the reasons that it, it that it works as a, as it, that it can work as a, um, on like secular radio, cause it was big. I mean, I remember hearing it on secular radio pretty frequently, oh, very um, is that it treats, it treats its scriptural references as like poetic references, right? It's not trying to like be a song of, you know, it's weird cause it's, it is a song about faith and about all of that, but it's done, it, but it's done in such a way that it's not like. Here, let me hold my, let me hold your hand through it. Yeah, and I, and it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like love song for his, or no, um, uh, of uh, faith like a child, where they, they manage to take scriptural references and they kind of blend them together in ways that aren't direct quotations, right? So like this is flood is both allusion to like Noah and the flood, 
but also Peter sinking after walking on water and losing his faith. Um, you know, so it, it, the fact that it merges these two, these two stories, uh, these two scripture references together, um, I think is, is, is artistically rich. And plus like for an acoustic song, it kind of, it kind of hits hard. Oh yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it rocks, I think. Yeah, they're about to break their strings on those acoustic guitars by the end of the thing. Yeah, uh, so let's go to Worlds Apart, which is the next one. Um, how did you feel about this one? I'm terrified of this song. Really? Why? Legitimately terrified of this song. Okay, why? I, I think I shared about this before in the uh, in, in, in an episode years ago. Um, this is a song that used to be my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those songs where I sort of made it into like a personal prayer. I get really, you know, like, Lord, take my world apart. The problem is, is that every time I did that, um, God seemed to answer. And so, like, I'm terrified of this song. Like, I'm terrified. Like, I love it. I love I love it. I love uh, there's lyrics in it that I, I absolutely adore. Um, the 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 line about grip the spear and watch the blood and water flow, I think, is a great image. I've used it in Good Friday sermons. Um um, but the song terrifies me, and every time I listen, every time it comes on, I skip it anymore. Like, and so like, I was actually afraid to listen to it for this album because I was afraid that I was going to get into like singing it, <laughs> and then like something horrible is going to happen because. Well, it's like, different because we're taking an analytical approach, so it's it's fine. What we're taking yeah, yeah, an yeah. analytical approach, so it's not the, not necessarily right. a prayer. It's, but like, taking it oh hard. no, I mean, I, I listened to this song. I, I listened to this song when I was on the. I was on the top of a mountain uh, in, on the on the app on the Smoky Mountains, and I had my head my iPod in. I was walking up to the top of this you know mountain. It was a car park. I wasn't hiking. I was just taking a walk you know up to an overlook, and like I was singing this, and it was like at this time when I was you know deeply in love with this girl at PDA, and then like we were like starting to have be a couple, and then it was like I got back, and it was like all suddenly over and done. <laughs> And I was just depressed. And then, like, that had happened before. I was, I was terrified of this song. <laughs> it's completely silly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, musically, I love it. And I think, um, um, like I said, I think it's got some great, you know, it shows, again, their great lyricism. And, um, I mean, and honestly, what a testament to a po- how powerful a song can be that somebody like me can actually be terrified of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I want to offer a criticism towards towards Christian bands, and I think if you if you are in a Christian band, uh, uh, run with this for a minute. Um, I, I feel like sometimes they go a little too broad in terms of what they mean by how, like having this sort of conflict between like having faith in God and then like uh, you know being tempted by the world. I, I want to see people get more specific about what they mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, sometimes I feel like the reason why they don't get specific is so that it could be sung in church. Yeah, like I don't know, do a song about like you know you really want to do meth, but you can't because you just got back from Sunday school and you're not going to do meth after Sunday school. <laughs> I'm not trying to do a bit. I promise. Um, but I don't know. That's just sort of what I get because like, because I see I see the 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 the, the the wording and the phrases that are so common that I grew up with in the evangelical church of like, you know, the world. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I do away with that stuff, man. Like, you know, go, go super specific when you're talking about having these kinds of conflicts. Uh, 
you know, whatever. I know I realize this is an album from 1995, so it's probably different back then. Well, but, so that that leads me to bring up uh, our, my 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 our, our, a deeply beloved artist among a certain segment of the Christian music fandom and industry, and his name is David Bazan. I've mentioned him before. He's the primary creative person behind the band Pedro the Lion. Oh, right. Okay. And he did exactly one album with Tooth and Nail Records before he called them out on their hilariously outdated uh, uh, payment process. Right. Um, but he got a lot of heat when he with that album, but their first album called The Whole EP. So it's not even a full album, it's just an EP. Um, because he did song, he grew up in Seattle. So he drew from seeing all the heroin addicts around him in Seattle um, and used addiction as the basis to talk about like sin and and like people returning to their habits. So he used heroin addiction as and that's been sort of like weird to say it's been sort of like a muse for him over the years to use heroin addiction as his like for his like inspirational wellspring. Um, but he got a lot of heat for that because, like, good Christians don't talk about stuff like that. Yeah. But his attitude was always like, well, but isn't that, like, sin is ugly. And this is, like, the ugliest thing I've seen is heroin addicts strung out all over the place in the city I grow up in. So, like, shouldn't I, like, shouldn't this be, like, the kind of imagery we're talking about? If we're going to talk about confronting sin, we're going to talk about the power of redemption. Like, the idea of coming from, like, the depths of being you know, of having a needle in your arm <laughs> to being clean and all like that, that to him was like, that's the redemption arc. And that speaks to a certain segment of the world. And, you know, I think he's also was mindful enough of the fact that so many of the alternative rock people knew that imagery and people, you know, and so that, that spoke. Right. But like I said, the Christian world didn't take to it. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why all of his albums were released on sub pop records and not conventional, uh, Christian outlets. Hmm. Um, he also cussed in his records too, which Christians didn't like either. But um, yeah, dude, if you want if you want a Christian record that will kind of blow your mind, listen to Page of the Lion's Control. Okay, it's a it's a concept album that equates sin with infidelity, and so it tells the story of a businessman who is regularly cheating on his wife, and she winds up murdering him. Spoiler alert! Wow, um, it's a uh, it's really something. See, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Come on. Like, yeah. full, you, you use the full spectrum of, of uh, you know, the language of music. Mm-hmm. Don't just be like, oh, if I sing about meth, they won't sing my song in church. Don't worry about that. Anything else you want to say about Worlds Apart? One thing is, uh, just looking at the lyrics real quick, I, I forgot, you know, the, and like Icarus, I Collide. Like, that's a great yeah. little reference. It just makes me think, I, I so I met Switchfoot once. Nice. <laughs> throw that out there um <laughs> this, it was really funny it was before the uh the beautiful letdown where that kind of went mainstream yeah um it was right before that they had put out their three their three albums um the you know legend of chin and um uh, new way to be human and the other one i can't remember the name of but they had won grammys at this point but they were um they were tapped to be like the halftime act for a orlando solar bears hockey team 
faith and family night group. Okay. And so my, my friend Josh and Keelan and I had gone to this to see Switchfoot play because we liked Switchfoot. And like this time, nobody listened to Switchfoot. Like it was just sort of like, I mean, they were really well respected within like the industry because they'd gotten Grammys and stuff. But it was before they, they were daring really... people to move. Yeah, it was before that. That Yeah. Um, actually, no, 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 no. I dare you to move. That that was on the, that was on one of their albums, and they oh, had really? just, yeah, they had like just, yeah, the that Mandy Moore movie had just come out. So I dare you. So it was like right before to live for so much more. That was that hadn't been out yet. Huh. I thought Dare to Move came out after that. Nope, but hmm. they did put that song on that album because it had been so popular with the Mandy Moore ah. film Walk to Remember. Walk but yeah, to so, Remember. We need to talk about that movie one day. <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> but yeah, so so Switchfoot was. I, I, I'm sharing this whole story just because yeah. I met Switchfoot and it was kind of cool. They were sort of like weird nobodies that did not look cool because they had not had their image makeovers yet. Yeah. And what was remarkable about it is they were playing the halftime show. They were also selling their own merch in the lobby of the Orlando Arena at the time. So when nice. we found out they were selling their own merch, we just left the hockey game. We're like, we're going to go hang out with Switchfoot. And it was just so funny to watch, you know, like John Foreman of Switchfoot just like comparing IDs and credit cards like okay all right here's your t-shirt you know <laughs> and uh and on top of that um uh my friend Josh was wearing a t-shirt from their very first record and they were like yo come talk to us cuz like they had never seen anyone wearing this shirt like out that's cool um but my buddy John my brother or my friend Josh's little brother asked them he said what cuz he was an aspiring musician at the time and he was like what recommendation do you have for anybody who's wanting to make music like how do you come up with songs like you know lyrics and stuff and he said, just read, just read constantly. Hmm. And when he said that, I started paying attention to their lyrics and noticed like they're quoting from Augustine, they're quoting from all these different things that they were reading. And I always thought that that was a hallmark of a really good songwriter was someone who can draw from literary illusions and things like that. That is all to say that that to me is what Jarza Clay is doing in a lot of these songs is that they are drawing from a wide range of literary illusions. And a lot of Christian bands weren't doing that. Um, you know, because there's that weird thing within evangelicalism that almost prides itself on being anti-intellectual. But yeah, so that, that, that I just wanted to comment on that, that that lyricism and what they're doing here, I think, is is, is evidence of a mature song of, of mature songwriting. And I think it's really sad that they never seem to hit that same level in their subsequent records. Much Afraid is not awful, but it's nowhere near as strong yeah. as this record. All right. Well, last song on the album. Oh, that's right. There's another song. <laughs> <laughs> and a secret song. I, I didn't listen to the secret song. Uh, Sorry. Did you listen to it? The secret song's actually pretty decent. Yeah. Oh, I missed it's it. A little, it's got electric guitars. Oopsie daisy. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, blind. Interesting I... way to end your album. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think about this song, Chuck? It just it, it kind of reminds me of how DC Talk has this habit of sticking awful spoken word poetry at the end of their records is like a <laughs> I don't know just like they got they feel like they got to put it somewhere. This song feels like that. It's just sort of like it's kind of angry, right? A little aggro. It is angry, but it is. But I, I don't know. The sound of it to me just seems like yeah, eh, it's not strong. But it's not, they're not ending on a high note. I don't think. No, I didn't like. I didn't really write any notes for it. I just decided, like, wow, this is. Aggressive. Thanks. This is a great way to end your song with some little bit of fire and brimstone. I don't think I've ever actually li- read the lyrics to this song. Let me put it. Blind Jars of Clay. Ooh. Oh, this song, yes. Cynical. It's just your way. Yeah. You play the doubting Thomas. Feel the, feel the scars and wipe the stain. So you fight. 
Um, so yeah. you fight and retreat and talk yourself out of believing in any peace that you can't see. Blind words you call, blind words will fall. This, you know what? This looking at the lyrics, the fact that this is the entirety of the lyrics, yeah, from a band that we've just talked about how great they are as, as lyricists. This to me says the someone was like, we got to have one more song, and it needs yeah. to be about this. And they were just like, all right, fine. Here's just like I could the see bare it. minimum amount of work just to satisfy some producer. It sucks because they're they're selling themselves short, you know. You're logical. You can't find any reason to believe in love. You are blind. Like, okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I didn't like it either. It's it's not. It's ableist. <laughs> it is. It is. Cancelled. Jars of clay. We have managed to cancel Black Sabbath and Jars of clay in this year's music mayhem. Um. I will say, though, the secret song is strong, and they probably should have just like let that be the last song. Well, tell me about the secret song, because I didn't listen to it at all. I didn't... Um, it's Actually, I always forget about it, because it comes like 20 minutes into like silence. It's one of like, the first time I ever heard it, I'd fallen asleep while with the CD player on. Oh. And I was like, woken up, like, what, there's another song on here? Um, it's um, It's got some electric guitars. It's a, it's a beat. Um, it actually is a sort of a foreshadowing of like what their sound was going to be like in subsequent records. Um, but I can't tell you what the lyrics are. I don't even know the name of the song, but it's definitely a higher note than blind. Hmm. Um, though blind has good violin, I will say it's got a good violin in it. Yeah. The the use of like, uh, strings and like wind instruments throughout the album, I think are are used in really interesting ways. Like there's like a whole flute solo one song that 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 felt not so much kenny g but definitely more like something i you would hear in the shire which i appreciated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well that's that's jars of clay that is that's jars of clay and their self-titled album this was interesting debut yes their debut which was uh had a big impact in in the recording industry um this was an interesting music mayhem chuck the first half being, you know, Cindy Lauper and Black Sabbath, and the second half being, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a dive into the Christian recording world. Best song on this album. <sighs> I'm going to have to say, for me, it's either Art in Me or Liquid. Hmm. Okay. I mean, if I'm trying to be completely objective just from like a you know if i'm trying to be like simon cowell or something yeah i probably have to say like flood obviously because it was such a monster hit but in terms of like what i but to me i make a distinction between best you know from like a you know somewhat objective standpoint to like favorite which is more personal right um and um i for me it's yeah it's either it's a toss-up between liquid and i think probably art and me i was tempted to say worlds apart just because of the impact it's had on me yeah Right, it takes it, it it takes special song to like elicit that strong a, re, a response from someone, but yeah, I'm gonna say liquid or or aren't in me. I'm not sure which. I'm gonna say liquid. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the connection to this album that you do. Uh, so the songs, like I said, they get a little samey. They're they're good, but they get a little samey to me. I don't have a whole lot of attachment to the songs in this album besides the ones that I've heard countless times, mm-hmm. which is liquid and, and, and flood. 
Um, so I'm always going to have to choose between those two. But I think I think Liquid would probably stand the test of time more than Flood. And I think it's because of how different it is with the uh, Gregorian chant and how simple it is. Not like, yeah. you know, overly simple, but just like there's a simplicity to it. It's, to it's straightforward. It's a straightforward song. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a like I said, it's a beautiful song. It's it's a song that probably shouldn't work. Like I said, it should like if, if this song were, were to fail, it would sound like something on pure on a pure moods album <laughs> uh, yeah. compilation. Um, but it's not. It's better. I think it's better better than any of those songs. Um, so to kind of incorporate a little bit of that sort of new agey genre of music without mm-hmm. feeling like a new agey song. Yeah. I think it really works. And I, I love it. And listening to it again, you know, I, I listen to it the most on repeat on this sort of re-listen. And it, uh, it's still pretty impactful. And I think it'll probably be the most memorable one. It's a strong opening song for an album. Very much, yeah. Yeah, p- putting Flood at track nine, uh, or I should say track eight, that that's mm-hmm. a weird decision. <laughs> I don't really know. Why they do that? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there was something I noticed in a lot of Christian records where they would put like one of the strong singles, like it's track number three. Right. <laughs> I noticed because Jesus. So you'd almost expect it to be like liquid sinking in flood. I mean, right, right. there, like the lyrics kind of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I think liquid is is the best song on here, hands down. Um, cool. So general thoughts. Anything else you want to say about it? For closing thoughts. No man, it's just it's a you know it's, it's it, it for the most part it's a decent album. You can just put put it in and hit play and just kind of go all the way through. Yeah, light a candle. Light a candle. Light a candle. Get some coffee going. You know. Oh yeah. Get go and just like stare at a at a piece of art that some college student <laughs> painted like in their dorm room. That's now what you do is or or, or <laughs> if you want to get it right, you know, just like you know, put it on, get a cup of coffee going or some chai maybe. Yeah, dude. And um, then. And then, uh, like, just go, like, Google image search for, like, borders and just pretend <laughs> that you're there. Yeah. All right. So that uh, that wraps it up. Um, that Stars of Clay, if you didn't listen to it, uh, hopefully, I don't know, maybe we convince you to go check it out, <laughs> whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that Stars of Clay. And uh, I guess that was our own little two-part segment on the Christian recording industry for this year's Music Mayhem. Join us next week as we visit the wheel of mayhem we have not figured out what the parameters are uh so just uh, keep an eye keep an eye out it's uh it's just gonna be nothing but all right so here's the wheel of mayhem okay yeah kiss psycho circus <laughs> oh, God. uh uh power man 5000 tonight the stars revolt oh, wow. um let's see uh uh rob zombies um uh, what's the one with the, the 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 album feature the chick on the uh, on the hammock? Was it was it uh, Super Beast? I don't know. It's the one that has Dragula. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, Smash Mouth, uh, Astro Lounge. Oh jeez. Uh, I would never subject us to, to Sugar Ray. Oh. Um, <laughs> Three Eleven. Oh no. 
Hey, how about Silver Chair? Dude, listen. Silver Chair has a song on the Godzilla soundtrack from 1998 that is badass. Okay. Now the Scream 2 soundtrack too, which is kind of popular. Dude, yeah. maybe we should do soundtracks. <laughs> Spawn, Godzilla. Scream 2. I just we should maybe one day we should do an episode where we just sort of bring to the table like each bring like a soundtrack that mm-hmm is way better than the movie it was attached to. Like the Batman and Robin soundtrack? Yeah, like Lost Highway. (laughs) All right, well, join us again next week. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, And follow us on our socials, on our Instagrams, and our Twitters, and our Facebook, and all that stuff. We'll see you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.